from Chicago. Welcome to Three Degrees Discussions. I'm your host, Mike Vasquez. That's comforting because that means we're getting to a, a higher level of maturation where we're, we're going to see that uh, expansion of applications continue to evolve and, and get into more more areas that uh, that before may have been just too too scary to go to. That was Carl Decker. Carl is the president of Metalflow, a 3D printing service bureau in Illinois. In addition to his day job, Carl is the president of the Additive Manufacturing Users Group. We talk about challenges in leading through the COVID pandemic and is one of the distinguished innovators in the industry. He shares his perspectives on the evolution of the technology and how standardization is playing a key role in the progress of 3D printing. So Carl, welcome to the show. Um, for our audience, um, do you want to just give a little background on maybe just start with Metalflow and then we'll get into some of the other experience that, that you have in the industry? Sure, sure. I'd love to, Mike. Um, again, thanks for, th- for having me. I think this is really cool that you're pulling this all together. A uh, little bit of background on Metalflow is uh, Metalflow was consultants to the metal forging industry. Uh, actually started by my father, didn't have anything to do with the stuff that I'm doing or anything now. Uh, I was working for an import-export uh, company, uh, bringing in vacuum casting technologies and helping expand that right at the inception of uh, additive manufacturing, or sorry, rapid prototyping at that time, because it was 3D Systems' first machines. Uh, so started working with places like Baxter, Microcut, and GM, some of the, the some of the places at laboratories that that had equipment. Um, basically, they were going to cancel because they were just on a uh, an initial pilot program. So here, I find myself uh, unemployed in a growing industry without really anybody there to to, to find a spot to to land at. Um, so I ended up. Uh, Deciding to build my own equipment, uh, didn't know what was going to come of the the equipment at the uh, the import export operation. Wound up uh, designing it, building it, uh, getting that set, getting it started, and as opposed to a lot of conventional operations, uh, starting under a bank funded or venture capitalist or something. Uh, I, I guess at that point, joining joining Metalflow Incorporated uh, was the the venture capitalist, if you will, uh, built the equipment, started things up, uh, continued growing there, and uh, was just a different business model than uh, than a consultancy. So decided to separate from my father uh, mid '90s. Um, at that point, we'd already gotten a lot of name recognition with the clients we were working with. Uh, wasn't that we were out there marketing because uh, it wasn't really a huge market, so the name didn't really matter as much. So we kept the the Metalflow name, kept all the the vendor accounts and things like that with it. Uh, continued growing as we saw direct digital manufacturing, the term at that time, uh, starting to become a a viable future for rapid prototyping. We'd gone in, we'd, we'd add a number of different secondary technologies and processes and things to facilitate the low-volume applications, uh, which we decided to continue doing uh, because at the end of the day, it's really about uh, what what are the material properties you're going to have in the end product and will that meet the, 
expected life of the, the device or the, the, the application. So we continued going along the lines of uh, building more additive technologies into it, adding additional processes and systems. Uh, but that kind of got me into some of the areas with uh, the Rapid Prototyping Association at that point, got onto the board, started helping trying to drive and get some recognition through the SME and through, through larger forums to promote what was feasible and what was actually viable information uh, to make sure that it wasn't misleading, uh, potentially deceptive, or, or applications that really couldn't, couldn't be fulfilled. Um, and just wanted to try and keep keep things straight because as the technology advances with successful applications, we start to see more viability for it to grow uh, versus what happened to stereolithography in the very early days, the, the early 90s. Um, there were a number of people who bought the pieces. They found out that they break. They're fragile. They're, they're really delicate parts. Um, that took a long time to build, and and even though it was really cool to watch the, the laser dance around, um, still was an expensive way to get some concepts. Uh, a lot of people still continued that paradigm in the late 90s that SLAs were fragile and bad, and they got burned on them because somebody, somebody misrepresented it. Um, so I wanted to try and help make sure that that didn't happen. Uh, the RPA got combined into the SMEs, transition to communities. Uh, we fought at that time, the board, uh, to, to get the, the RCAM, or the Rapid Technologies Additive Manufacturing Community started, uh, managed to get that passed, and it continued into, the, uh, into what's now the Additive Manufacturing Community. So, uh, also saw a lot of opportunity to help with the Additive Manufacturing Users Group because it was a great organization and was doing a lot to help promote uh, open and honest communication uh, between the industry experts and, and allow them to, to get the word out, uh, to, get, to get the message across and to, to give you a sounding board to make sure that if you found something you thought might not be real or sounded too good to be true, you knew you had a collection of people you could ask and probably get enough data points to to either validate or invalidate the, the, the claim. So helped out a little bit there and uh, um, still continued with the, uh, with the SME activities. Uh, came to the realization through that that we really needed a lot of standards. We, we couldn't, we couldn't take a program from a customer, say that we're going to manufacture and it's going to come out as a quality product because we didn't really have any standards to say that it was being manufactured to. Um, we got a, a couple of groups. Uh, fortunately, the DDM Tech Group at that time had uh, uh, had Brent Stucker who was able to uh, kind of push forward and identify the the committee or the, the, the SDO standards development organizations uh, so that we could find one to, to kind of make a home and uh, even with Mary Kinsella's help we uh, we weren't able to get NIST to take that lead but we were able to get their awareness or continued awareness because they were aware of it before 
um, but get their involvement and uh, started up the, the F-42. This was 2007 was the letter, 2008 was the beginning of the meetings, and 2009 we actually got it formed and, and moving forward. So we, we really got the opportunity to, to start digging into standards, what we're talking better part of uh, uh, over a decade ago. And I think that might have been when I first may have met you, because I think one of the early meetings of that was at, out at Ufra. Um, and, uh, yes, yes. And that was uh, my first experience in an ASTM meeting. So I was I was there in person <laughs> at the beginning. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's true because uh, you're right. Loughborough was the the connection. It, it was amazing because we've got all these technologies that are that are out here, and we have this this amazing tool called the internet which allowed through like the rpml or any of these other different things it allowed connectivity internationally and and everybody kind of acknowledged it and the, the group at loughborough has always been a uh, uh, a very advanced group a lot of great things have come out of there uh, for a long time uh, so yeah they they saw that this was a need and they said yeah we want to help support please and that allowed us to to get the to get the intercontinental the, the global aspect if you will uh, to the the standards development uh, which uh, you know allowed us the opportunity to connect which uh, was always good um, but it, it also brought about the the connectivity to ISO group uh, so that started making the the standards activity become not only international, but ISO acknowledged, recognized, and supported. So now you've got uh, this collective global activity going on those, and we've seen a lot of standards come out of those. Um, we still have the challenges because not everybody doing things was uh, following the, the, the now ISO 529 standards, um, or sorry, ISO 261. Um, 529 is the uh, the terminology one where a lot of them are named. Um, but uh, we still have a lot of people that spent extensive amounts of money to develop their own standards because they wanted to make additive manufacturing a tool that they could put into their products. Uh, so we still have a lot of customer-driven specifications that we have to follow. Uh, we are starting to see some of those reference, the, uh, the ISO ASTM standards. Which is, which is really cool because that means the migrations coming there. And um, I've always been concerned about uh, how soon before one of my guys applies the wrong standard to a product, and and now we've either got documentation that doesn't match, or we've got a, a an audit issue, or anyways, it's just one of those concerns that always goes on. You want to make you want to make good product. You want to make it right the first time, and and see what you can do to to make the customer happy, so they get they get viability for the next application. And how have you seen the customers' questions change, or even their approach to working with you guys change over the time that you've you first got additive equipment, and now a number of years later, kind of much fully more advanced in terms of of what the options are and even finishing? Have there been significant changes in, in how customers approach you? Um, awareness and understanding is probably the biggest part 
which is actually beneficial for, for a lot of it. Um, not all of that's totally accurate, but being able to discuss with them and say, yes, we can we can make your products, we can we can match these things and now we're talking about, well, what sort of what sort of uh, uh, destructive test properties or non-destructive properties uh, do you need validated? Or how do we have to do the uh, the, the digital product uh, confirmation? Uh, how do we go through and make sure that the digital product definition is flowing all the way from the original supplied uh, data set to the final delivered product and all the steps that go into there are, are measured. And, uh, we've, we've had a lot of people that understand more so about the fact that uh, when, we, when we talk about a specific material, it may not have the right properties, it may not be exactly that of a production grade materials. They, start the, they now understand that if you build something in the upright orientation or the the, the Z direction um, versus the X or the Y, you're going to have different properties and how that impacts when you're going across uh, something that's compounded uh, on the different axes. So that awareness is very helpful and, and people realize that there are issues with it. Uh, there's still a lot of reserve and hesitancy as to how far you put these parts into end use. Uh, we do have a lot of parts that, that go into end use on, on transportation, on uh, uh, military type things, even uh, even small custom manufacturing, but a, a lot of things are being applied in what I call a safe area. And when I say safe, I'm talking applying it to the manufacturing floor. Uh, use the additive to help make larger volume parts uh, because now you can you can check it anytime you have question or walk over and take a look and say hey wait a second this is supposed to do this and it's 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 not controlling it right you can pull it off the floor and replace it um, and it it's not a risk that it's out in the field um, now, not, not to say that there aren't a lot of pieces that are in the field, and those have gone through extensive testing and criteria, and and those, every time you make them, you have to get your destructive test samples done, and there's additional expenses with it. Um, it's nice to see a lot of the standards activities moving towards um, mass validation or, or qualification of, of systems uh, to where you could potentially see the day where you don't need to destroy a piece off of every build. Uh, you know, you don't necessarily have to do a uh, hundred percent testing of every layer that, that maybe we can get the cost and the speed to pick up uh, because of the fact that we have enough process control, but we're, we're still learning about it. We're still, we're still getting more definition of exactly what the details are, whether it's, um, moisture issues, whether it's uh, uh, energy, uh, uh, energy density or, or any sort of uh, scan patterns, uh, any sort of traceable mediums that, that you're going through. So it's, it's exciting. There's, there's a lot that's, that's coming around. There's a, a lot of very intelligent people that are doing some amazing work. And that's, that is really one of the exciting things about the industry is 
you know that anytime you go to a, a venue, you're you're dealing with a lot of very great, intelligent, and and straightforward people. Um, I mean, heck, it, it took us what probably about five minutes or so of talking to to realize, hey, you know, I like this guy. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And this was, was a decade ago or so. Right. Uh, so, <laughs> and we still get to help each other, and and but we're still fighting the same battles. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I had I had one application where a, a customer called me up and and they don't actually do the the writing of their standards and things, but they said, um, "Hey, what's this FFF?" And I said, "Ah, okay, no, that's the that's the uh, the genericized term that some people are using for what was typically referred to as FDM or extrusion." Uh, based according to the the ISO five two nine zero zero standard, um, but it's 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 in, it's interesting to see that people are using some of these different terms in their own internal standards for the purposes of being able to allow more than just one technology. So that that's comforting because that means we're getting to a, a higher level of maturation where we're, we're going to see that uh, expansion of applications continue to evolve and, and get into more more areas that uh, that before may have been just too, too scary to go to. Um, so maybe we're getting to the point where we can, we can actually start to see uh, enough economies of scale start hitting the material supplies and, and equipment uh, to bring those into a little bit more, uh, I don't want to say reasonable, I, I do want to say reasonable actually, um, uh, more respectable levels uh, so that they can compete with more of the production technologies. So, right. or, or not to say it's going to ever meet or replace injection molding or things like that. These are all just tools in a toolbox. Um, yeah, from from operating your kind of facility and company, um, imagine with the, some of the increases in awareness of the standards and testing available, you have to think differently about the types of either printers or even kind of ancillary equipment that you have to bring in for material testing or the processes you do for recording data. So that's probably changed quite a bit over the last number of years. Well, the, the the recording of data has uh, the the travelers control plans. The way that we process jobs and things has changed a lot dramatically, um, and and we've even seen a lot of places out there. Uh, we've seen the level of quality uh, or awareness of quality continue to increase. Um, we've continued to push it internally, but uh, it's it's nice to see it as something where you don't have a bunch of people that just pull whatever comes off the machine and there you go, that's what you get. Um, they realize that we're, we're trying to make continuous good product. Uh, but yeah, the, the, the ability to improve the quality and to get, to get the material testing, to get the process conformance and, and validation in there. Um, we've, We've had to very strategically determine what are the processes we want to bring internally to manage and control the processes 
and which are the ones that we're going to utilize external labs for. And it's it it has to do with um, how much are we actually how much effort are we putting into that, um, and what does it take for an ongoing cost? Because uh, if we're going to bring in something that's that's basically going to be validated as uh, as well uh, uh, production ready products, uh, we need to make sure that all of our equipment follows all the calibration, all the test requirements, because we're not using, we're not making new equipment to validate what's there. We're using a lot of the current standards to, and the current equipment to make sure that what we're producing is in conformance. Um, but all of that still takes uh, calibration, and a lot of those things can be very, uh, very demanding, a lot of material, uh, uh, a lot of material work going into it and a lot of uh, cost to, to sustain that. Whereas sometimes it's easier just to use specific designated labs and, and slowly grow and as you need, you bring on a technology or a process and, and add that in as demand develops. Um, so again, we're not, we're not trying to invent something that's not there. We're trying to see what we can do to use the um, Use the products that are available and use them effectively and efficiently. So, sure. And this year certainly has been unique for a variety of ways. Has you have you seen changes due to the pandemic or any work that you guys have have been doing in in the space related to your customers? Has it been a, a big impact on on the business that you guys have been doing? Um. Well, I mean, a. Uh, I got to say, a lot of what we did in the very beginning, right as all the the pandemic was starting to, should we say, get into gear or, or really kick into impacting everybody, uh, we had a lot of contracts that required us to continue production. Uh, so we had a minimal staff that we were trying to be very protective with and and put a lot of things in place. Uh, but we were we we're watching and trying to help a lot of the medical related applications and companies and, and customers of ours as well with what limited staff we had uh, and make sure that we were uh, trying to take care of improving uh, the, the processes that we went through all the different steps. Uh, I would say I think I think we saw that there was a little bit more awareness towards the quality of pieces that were being delivered. Um, and I don't know if this was maybe changes in the amount of workforce that was there, or maybe the number of parts that were arriving at their facilities, but um, it, didn't, it, it didn't put extensive demand to, to raising these quality quality of the product that was produced, um, but we did we did go to the point of, of finding a number of different ways to advance what we were doing. We were able to focus on some of the, the key areas. Um, so that that standpoint, it was it was good. We're, we're making a lot lot of different products. Uh, it's nice to see how how many people were able to jump in and help with the. Uh, uh, 
the frontline uh, personal protective equipment type scenarios, um, not only in the U.S. here, but uh, overseas as well, uh, and see a lot of that collective activity going to try and evaluate designs, give improvements, give areas to to be able to say, wait, wait, you want to you want to remove these features and make it cleanable, sanit uh, able to be sanitized, and and able to be used for for more than just a, a single point use. Um, seeing some of the different things that were created to, or are still being created, <laughs> to to help people on the front line. Uh, it was it was really an opportunity to see added manufacturing get, uh, or 3D printing as a lot of them called it, and it's still commonly called that way. Um, it was an ability for people to see what could be done with the technology and look at all the different ways to apply it. Uh, I, I really wish that the uh, the governing agencies or the governing bodies uh, could have reacted as fast as the additive uh, uh, members did because it was it, it was kind of almost a restraining point uh, when you see that a lot of people weren't able to take and and get these these products um, into the, the the first line, uh, the the frontliners, um, it was great to see even even ASTM, uh, and I think they still have it that way, uh, put on all of their uh, all of their medical medical equipment standards or. Some degree of their medical equipment standards uh, was made available for for open use for the public, uh, so that people could go through and try and learn how to uh, make product that's going to meet as many of the requirements as the medical facilities needed. Um, again, some of it was was strictly people producing uh, PPE for uh, for places like. Uh, uh, firefighters or police um, or nursing homes, a lot of these different areas, which were also uh, first-liners, uh, not necessarily the hospital itself. So, but it, yeah, a great opportunity for the technology to shine, get some awareness. And and again, we, we also learned that there were some things that uh, we have to be careful of how we approach it and, and make sure that we're being prudent about is this is this really the best approach, or, or can we apply these technologies somewhere else and and make a bigger impact? So, right, and at, and at the time, I think you were in one of those unenviable shoes, not with Metal Velo, but with AMUG, because right at the, that same time, we were finding out about all the uh, the pandemic just getting into it, and you're the president, and you have to make the call of does it are we going forward with the event? Are we not going forward? And um, I'm guessing not something you anticipated when you uh, put your name in the hat to be uh, the, uh, the president of the board for for the show that year. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you got that one right. <laughs> um, I, I was asked to, uh, to go as vice chair a number of years ago, so I'd, I'd spoken with my uh, uh, ASTM uh, colleagues and said, hey, who would be able to take over the, the chair position if I was to, to leave and, and manage to get a, a great guy, John Slotwinski, in there? Um, and great, okay, then I could 
step away from that to, to work with AMUG, uh, did not have great expectations that I was going to be president. And um, while I, I don't mind it, and I'm looking forward to trying to do my best with it, uh, I certainly never expected to have to try and manage the should we postpone the event um, and the, the thoughts and considerations at that point were we didn't know what to do. We didn't. We didn't have a, a book to follow. We didn't. It was. It was literally trying to guess back and forth and see what were the issues and what is the best for managing the the, the users' interests and managing their uh, uh, the, the the group as it is. Uh, so yeah, we we had an enormous amount of of phone calls and conversations trying to go through and look at every different possible uh, scenario and situation and how we could how we could try and manage it and eventually it came down to it and sure enough the uh, we were on the board call doing the boat right as uh, the president was shutting down air travel so um, Great, we didn't have anybody to lead to follow, lead the right. way to show us, but uh, we we went through, and I think I think we made the right decision. Uh, yeah. Last thing I'd, anybody wanted to see was was somebody getting injured or 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 ill because of uh, because of an event. So uh, right. it still makes for a lot of changes. It's uh, proving to open up a virtual world. Uh, we're starting to see. Um, starting to see that there's a, a lot that can be done with engaging people on the internet. Um, when I say a lot, that doesn't mean that all of it's good. <laughs> Some of it is just noise. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's, it's how do you go through and put together something that that sustains the the AMUG uh, uh, quality level that it's, that it's been working to brand itself since day one. Um, and how do we how do we get that to the point where it transcends into a, an electronic uh, collection? And that's that's a challenge. Uh, I mean, there's there's a lot to be done with that. Uh, I think the uh, I think the team did an amazing job when it came to the virtual Dino Awards for 2020. Yeah, I was just going to say um, I watched those a few weeks ago, and those were those were great. I really liked how how that all came together. Yeah, it was no small task, and to be done by a bunch of volunteers, um, it's it, it shows their their commitment. It shows their their intent to make sure that it is that it's top quality, um, which is good. Uh, even the first one. So, uh, but there's there's a lot to to learn. There's a, it, it's a new world. We're we're finding different ways to do things, different ways from make an end product, different ways from communicating, different ways from uh, being safe. So, it, Right, and the, the interesting thing about AMUG is it's not just U.S., so you're probably you're dealing with a global audience, global travelers coming to, to one location, all with different requirements, restrictions, and then you throw in the companies who I think at the time, too, were putting in their own rules of we're not going to do travel or no, everyone's work from home and you have so many different uh, 
experiences and 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 levels of uh, of things going on that uh, it was trying to build the bridge as uh, as you walk over it almost it yeah yeah that's probably a good example of a good analogy sorry build a bridge as you walk over it <laughs> which i i guess adam has done that but um uh but you're right there the number of countries that that come to amug every year is it's all over it's it's every region of the world and it's it's amazing to see all those people it's great to see them because a lot of them are friends uh, but yeah, with with the fact that we had no idea where things were going to be, what the hot spots were going to be, what the, the where the next epicenter of uh, uh, of outbreak was going to be, yeah, we had no way to be able to tell. And uh, there was discussion at that point of a lot of people's travel being limited. Um, since then, I think everybody's gone to. Uh, gone to just shutting it down uh but yeah that that was one of those that uh, i mean it's it's great to have that global uh presence uh that people from all over the world can come together and and connect and collaborate and work to build better technology um but yeah it brings up a whole nother level of dynamics, uh, you know, when you're looking at where do you bring these people? How do you take care of them? How do you manage all these these different factors? Uh, so it it was not fun to to see what the impact of of a pandemic does to it. But uh, I I, I got to give credit to the to the team and the, the 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 board and all those who have been doing it for years because their their foresight of putting in things like the um the zombie apocalypse clause and all these other items which protects the the future of the group is is amazing so uh that that helps a lot um you know and then you look at something like um ASTM putting together their whole activity which was going to be right before uh the AMUG kicked off they they put it together and did it online um another uh, excellent opportunity there and a, a great way again still keeping people connected but um, still a little different so uh, I myself I'm, I'm I'll say I'm looking forward to being able to safely get everybody back together and and do a bunch of saying hello and and being being in the same space with people uh, I I guess I really don't know how that's going to play out whether whether there's going to be a little bit of distance at that point or whether we're going to have a, a hopefully a, a cure or something, some, at least a vaccine for, for this, this level. So, um, but yeah, these are, these are just some of the, the challenges that, uh, you know, nobody expects it, but we get to deal with on a, uh, as they come basis. So, uh, yeah. Has the past few months either with metal flow or with, a mug or anything else that you're doing can change the way that you've thought about things or you learning to do anything differently compared to what you did before? Oh, um, I mean, we're definitely trying to be safer. We're trying to be, uh, 
more proactive. We're trying to be more uh, uh, we're trying to be more I don't want to say transparent, but a, a, more focused on being able to help people effectively take these technologies into manufacturing. So when I say that, we're, we're really trying to uh, safely guide people uh, on how to use additive manufacturing in their applications. Uh, that could be for things like uh, test and reliability. It could be for manufacturing aids, ergonomics, uh, personal protective equipment, uh, equipment to manufacture personal protective equipment. Um, a lot of these different ways because this is one of those areas I, I think we're going to see a, a whole new collection of products that start to launch for unique specific ideas and applications. Um, I mean when you think about it a little less less what, three months? I don't even know how long it's been now, about <laughs> four months, uh, have had a lot of people staying at home, which gives some time to contemplate and think of things. You're not stuck on the road driving. So whether it be ways to clean the air, uh, whether it be ways to recycle the materials, um, I think there's a lot of creativity out there that now has seen what 3D printing or added manufacturing can do to personal protective equipment. Um, and we're at the point where people are going to say, wait a second, I could use that to do this. And hopefully we'll find a collection more solutions that, that I think we're going to see micro markets uh, up here where people can actually reach those because of the internet. Uh, but now they've got a means to be able to manufacture product and do more validation on the micro scale um, before they have to get into hard tooling. Um, so it, it really could be interesting from, from the stance of how do how does this how does this requirement of, of shelter in place and, and everything like that, how, what are the outcomes going to be and how is it going to um, Help us move to the to a greater proliferation of of additive manufacturing in our daily lives. Um, so that's that's one of those that's, that's kind of uh, it, it. It's got a huge potential. It's got a huge risk. I'm I'm hoping that the the standards have developed far enough that that we can. We can apply them more effectively to a lot of these new applications, and we can safely make products uh, through additive manufacturing uh, that, that brings a whole new supply chain issue or, or supply chain capability, uh, brings a whole new collection of, of aids to, to help make life better. Sure. All right, Carl, we'll appreciate the time. I think I if we want to point people to your website, it's metalflow.com, but is there anything else that you want to talk about or highlight for um, news coming up for, for you guys or AMUG that uh, you'd like to share with the audience? Well, uh, AMUG is doing a lot to get ready for next year, um, and we've, we've got an amazing group of committees 
so we're while we're always looking for more volunteers, we're still looking at ways to, to engage them and to take advantage of them. So that's that's a, a work in progress. But I, I love the way that the group is moving forward and, and how capable they are to be able to build a structure that's scalable. Um, as for Metaflow, we are we are actively improving our our, our quality standards, our, our engagement approaches, our our opportunities. We're not we're not an online broker. We're not trying to see what we can do to to, to make it so people can point click. Yeah, we have an online pricing, but um, a lot of what we're trying to do is is make it so that we can engage in discussion and help guide people to a technology that's going to be successful. Uh, for their application. Um, doesn't matter if that's a, I mean, we do a lot of plastics ones. We do a lot of secondary technologies. Uh, we've got a lot of uh, defense stuff that literally forced a number of people to come here daily through this whole pandemic, or still, um, because of the fact that we're producing these low volume, low volume castings for uh, for helping, their, helping our warfighters. Um, how can we go through and, and take what's what's been effectively done for a lot of these advanced manufacturing applications and apply them for for more diverse load? Uh, we're we're working on trying to find ways to to help facilitate that engagement, um, and a lot of it comes from from just starting a conversation, uh, much like you and I have done uh, over the years. You know, hey, uh, what do you think of this? And Next thing you're like, oh wow, yeah, something like that could do it. So, uh, yeah, so uh, Metal Flow is always looking to grow. We're always looking to try and bring on uh, the right team and uh, uh, try and build out the the expertise that we have. And we're we're fortunate to have uh, uh, places like Northern Illinois University right nearby, a couple of a collection of other colleges and, and academies and things, and and we're getting some great great minds, uh, some great people with some great ideas that that really uh, love to pick up what we can do with the technology. And I, I can't wait to show more of them how to, how to take it, how to apply it. And uh, uh, so personally, that's one of my things is how can I, how can I help uh, expand the, the potential application effectively. Uh, and some of these, some of these bright kids are just, uh, amazing! I love love doing it with them. Um, but uh, obviously, a mug. How can we how can we make sure that we get a strong, fluid means of of content and information out there? And uh, I mean, I still still participate with uh, the SME and Rapid and trying to help make sure that, that that continues because again, it's another excellent venue for for being able to get information out there and keep people educated properly so that so that they can be successful and collectively. You know, all boats rise in a high tide. So, awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time, Carl, and we'll talk soon.